It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. So new year, new opportunities. And you already know that. Um, and typically, you know, New Year's when people, uh, many people, maybe you included, are making some better goals. You know, I mean, just let me just state for the record, I don't really know too many people who are making worse goals. You know, this year I want to have a worse, no, people are making better goals. You know, this year I want to have a better marriage. This year I want to be a better boss. This year I want to experience better health. This year I want to be a, I'm just happy to be able to reset and recalibrate and set some better goals. Even if you're already good at stuff, there's always room for improvement. And so we're leaning into that, the idea of better goals. Also underlining the reality that it's not enough to have a goal. We also need to execute the process that's going to actually lead us towards that goal becoming, hopefully, more likely becoming the reality. And so this process uh, a lot of that process leans on habits. And so that's why we're zeroing in on this idea of habits. And the fact of the matter is you already have habits. I already have habits. So we're not asking the question, do you have habits? The question we're asking is, do the habits you currently have, are they causing you to become the person God's created you to become? And are they causing you to move in the direction of doing the things that God's calling you to do? Because if everyone has habits, that's fine. But are they the, the, the right habits? Are they the better habits? Are they the, the habits that are moving you in the right direction? I, I like what Paul wrote. Now, Paul was like the Elon Musk of the early church, starting churches here and there. One of the churches he started was in a, a port city in uh, Greece uh, at the time called Corinth. And he would write letters to that church long after he'd sort of handed it over to another leader. And let me just, let me just read one of the, uh, just a slice of one of the letters he wrote to that church. You've all been to the stadium, and these days we would add, or watched on television, and seen the athletes race. Everyone runs, one wins. So run to win. Everyone has goals, but are your goals causing you to run to win? Are you, everyone has habits, but are your habits going to be causing you to be that athlete, that person, that Jesus follower who's going to run and ultimately win? So quick flyover of what we've covered the last couple of weeks. Week one, we called that, that message, Who Impacts do, that a lot of the success or failure rises and falls on how we see ourselves. You know, I've, n- I've never been organized. I- I- I've never been good with money. Uh, my parents were divorced when I was a kid, so I could never uh, sustain a healthy marriage. And, and we kind of, in, in, summer- in sort of summarizing ourselves in those kinds of uh, perceptions, we crop ourselves out of success before we even get going. And so the encouragement then was to set some who goals this year. This year, I want to become more generous. This year, I want to become a better friend. This year, I want to become a better spouse. This year, I want to become a better parent. You know, all about who you are becoming because who impacts 
do. Last week, super practical, starting and sticking. Starting, well, I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's typically easier, and that's why a lot of people with New Year's resolutions are kind of done mid-February at best. You know, gyms are overcrowded in January and back to ghost towns in February. So it's about starting habits and sticking with them. Well, what does that look like? And we talked about a few key principles. First of all, just pick one goal in 2021 that you want to do better in. Don't pick five. If you pick five, you probably will end up getting zero of them over the line. So just focus on one. And in picking that one, pick a keystone habit that's going to support that goal. And the reason we call it a keystone habit is a lot of the experts say that, that just having one keystone habit, not 10, just one, that will move you towards that, that goal you've chosen, just one, will have a ripple effect in other areas of your life. I was talking to one of our team this week, and they, they were like, oh, man, I love that. That was so helpful last week. Thanks. Great. Um, and I said, well, you know, they, my question is always, well, what are you going to do about it? Uh, you know, I just don't just want you to pump my tires. I want you to tell me how you're going to drive better. So they said, well, uh, this year I want to become more disciplined, more organized. And I said, great. That's a great goal. Great goal. Uh, so what's the keystone habit? And then they started rattling off a list. And I went, no, 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 no. Honestly, just one. And they said, and they picked up on an idea I put out there last week. I'm going to put my phone slash alarm clock walking distance from my bed and not push the snooze button. I said, great, then that's it. This year, 2021, you, you've, you've set the goal of becoming more organized and your keystone habit is no snooze button made easier by the fact you have to get up and schlep across from your comfy bed, not just reach across and turn that thing off. Well, here's this week, almost an obvious follow-on from last week, is I want to talk about stopping and breaking. Based on who you want to become, based on what God's calling you to do, is there, and again, just pick one. Is there one habit? And I'm not going to ask you to call it out. Is there one habit that's maybe getting in the way or maybe getting you off track? Is there, is there, is there one habit where you say, yeah, you know what? Probably should tackle that one this year and maybe stop it and break it. And the idea of not just stopping but breaking is to make sure that snooty little creature doesn't come back in 2022. Breaking, yeah. And it plays to something that I put up last week, reasonably universally uh, talked about by the experts in this field called the habit loop. And the habit loop simply has this idea that there's a trigger, there's something that goes ping in your life that causes you to do a certain thing, a certain action, a certain routine that then has a reward that will make you even more likely to seek out that same action when you experience that trigger again. And we said that this habits loop actually cuts both ways. This is how good habits are reinforced, and it's also how bad habits are reinforced. And we've been talking about that for the last two weeks, that the idea of developing good habits and the principles behind developing good habits largely apply in the same way to developing and reinforcing bad habits. With one very key exception. There's one key exception 
with good habits and bad habits in terms of how to develop them and how to have them stick. And I'm about to share it with you. And, and actually, it's been hidden in plain sight. When I say it, you'll be like, yes! Hidden in plain sight that actually explains why bad habits often are so much easier to stick with <laughs> than good habits. Even though it's the good ones we want to do, they seem harder to stick with. And the bad habits, they seem just to kind of stick on their own. And, and here's why. The, reason, the main reason why is that Bad habits have the reward up front. And the destruction somewhere in your future. You know, feeling stressed, have the drinks. Get the reward. Relaxed, passed out. Yeah, but seven years later is going to be some destruction that you'll be experiencing. But the habit stuck because the reward was instant. Feeling stressed, eat the cake, get the sugar rush. Because the, but, but, but seven years later, get the type 2 diabetes. I mean, right? But, but, but here's the thing. But that's why bad habits are so much easier to stick because the reward is up front. And we can often deny or just not consider or it's never going to happen to us about the destructive aspect. Well, the flip side when it comes to good habits is the exact opposite, is that most good habits, there's a cost up front and we don't experience the rewards until sometime down the track. Let me, let me give you the classic. Exercise. Oh, exercise. And by the way, I get it. Some of you grew up thinking exercise was a form of punishment. I get it. You know, you were naughty in class. Go and run a lap around the Oval. Like, huh? Why is that punishment? Uh, you, 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 you spoke out of uh, turn, 10 push-ups. It's like, what? That's Anyway, if someone talks out of turn, don't make them do 10 push-ups. Just tell them to shut up for 10 minutes. That's going to be more appropriate punishment. Anyway. So you say, well, running. You know, I, there's a book called Born to Run. We're all born to run. My ancestors did it. I'm going to do it. And so, and you haven't run in years. You know, I mean, you couldn't even run out of sight on a dark night. And so you're like, oh, man. All right. So you get the shorts and you get the shoes and you put them on and you head out the door. And 100 meters down the road, you are praying like you've never prayed before. Oh, dear God. Oh, dear God. Oh, dear God. And you're fitzing everywhere and everyone's running in the opposite direction. Looks better than you think you look and you're out of breath and you're like and you're like that's got to be 10 minutes and you look at your watch it's three minutes only and you're like, oh, this is just ridiculous and so you call for an uber and you get home and you're like no way this that was a terrible idea i'm out not understanding that yeah there is a cost up front for many good habits however if you then laced up again in two days' time, which, yes, I know it would have been two very painful days, up and down stairs was a feat where you wanted to get a medal at the top and a medal at the bottom. Ow, 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 ow. But seven months later, seven months, what? Not seven minutes? No, not seven minutes. Seven months. But again, this is one of the key reasons why good habits stick much easier than bad habits. 
So we talked about this habit loop last week as it pertains to good habits. Make the trigger obvious and easy. The problem with bad habits and the reason that we have them is we've made the trigger for them obvious and easy. And actually what we need to do with the trigger as it comes to bad habits is we need to actually make it more difficult. We need to actually make it harder to do the routine that's brought on by the trigger. Here's a little bit of ancient wisdom from King Solomon. This is back in the Proverbs, the ancient Proverbs. He gave it this one. I mean, I love this guy. He doesn't kind of mince words. Don't take wicked bypass. Don't so much as set foot on that road. Oh, how close can I get to the start of this bad habit before it actually sucks me in? Don't take wicked bypass. Don't so much as set foot on that road. Stay clear of it. Give it a wide berth. Make a detour. Trigger. Action. Reward. Make a detour and be on your way. So let me highlight five major triggers. These, again, pretty universal. Some of the, the, the experts in the field have these as their top five major triggers. I'm going to tell you what they are. You're going to say, uh, duh. So here they are. Number one, place. Number two, time. Number three, mood. Number four, moment. And number five, people. Let me break these down. I'll start with the first two. I'll kind of lump them together. Place and time. This is where you might experience a trigger in a particular place or a particular time. And I want to talk about pornography. I'm not going to demonstrate. I'm not going to play a video. Here's the thing. You will, if, if you're someone that struggles with porn, and I'm not looking at anyone in particular as I scan this room. If you're someone that struggles with porn, Here's what I know about you. It's reasonably unlikely that you are going to be watching the porn whilst gathered with your family around the dinner table. I mean, if you did, that would just be like dysfunctional. In Wikipedia, there's your photo. No, you will be more likely to watch porn when you are on your own with access to some sort of mobile, digital, internet-connected device. I mean, that's just the reality. That place and time matters to you. And so I could just say, well, don't ever be on your own. But it's like, come on now. I mean, it's not entirely practical, right? See, so well, that's not practical. So how am I ever supposed to break this trigger? Well, let me, let me just tell you from, from this, is all, this is out there, the same internet, We'll give you the solution if, if, you, if you choose. You can actually have filters installed on your web browser. You can do them yourself. You can ask someone else to do them for you. You probably don't want to because they're like, why do you need this installed? I've been looking at too many recipe sites. Uh, just, uh. Well, here's another one. You can actually, there's, there's third-party software solutions. You can actually give a trusted friend access to your web browsing history. So they can, no, but you, would, you would invite them to do that. It's not like there's going to be snooping on you. You'd say, listen, uh, no, and I'm serious. This is, this is some of what it might take if you think that your habit, and I'm just using porn as one because I knew it would get your attention, um, is, is if you're like, you know what, I'm serious about breaking this. Well, sometimes your level of seriousness is demonstrated only 
by the extent you're willing to go to to break that habit. Because sometimes little steps won't cut it. Because that road is so deeply trodden that, that, that a tiny detour, you're going to figure a workaround. So I'm just saying that there are ways that, that you might not be able to completely circumvent the place and the time where you would normally do the bad habit. However, there are some things you can put up in your life to create a detour from what's currently up to this point being a road that you would just normally automatically go down. Here's another one, mood. This is one of these triggers. And by the way, these five triggers, if you, if you resonate with them, then, then the reason I'm highlighting these is that, is that you need to know enough about yourself, be, be self-aware enough to be on high alert when one of these things starts showing up for you. Like set the warning lights on red and pay attention to them when they start going off. This might be one for you. This was one for me many years ago, and I'm, you know, perfect now. But when I wasn't, uh, this was one for me. This was a big one for me, and I, and I didn't have the self-awareness or hadn't developed the, the detours to the triggers. Mine was angry. Well, here's the thing. It's on the list. Mood. The experts have an acronym called HALT. In other words, they actually give an acronym to the, what the red light looks like if mood is one of your triggers, that, that you might start to do something destructive when you're hungry. Hungry, you, you might mistake your fridge for a medicine cabinet. Then the second one, angry. And by the way, if you're a man in your 20s, those first two go together, we call it being hangry. Mine was angry, lonely, and by the way, I might sort of slide bored into there at, at, as well. Um, or tired, that when you're any one of these things, that's when you need to be on high alert, that, that it, it will more likely be, this will trigger you to do the sort of action that you're trying to build a detour around. Moment, there's two, two more, moment. And moment is this idea that when this happens, I do that. When I feel this way, I do that. When I'm in this setting, I do that. A friend of mine, uh, two years sober now, um, I was talking with them recently, and I, and I asked them, you know, like, and, and I'd been on the journey with them and, and just so proud of them, how they're tracking. Uh, I knew from the beginning of their journey some of the triggers for them. Some of the triggers for them were uh, stress, a, a pretty uh, uh, high demanding job, and so stress was a trigger for them to come home and reach for multiple bottles. Um, being uh, confronted with situations that reminded them of some of the dysfunction they'd experienced growing up and kind of mild sort of PTSD kind of was hanging around. And, and they've wisely uh, repositioned some of their life so they're not exposed to all of those same triggers. That's great. But they, this friend of mine, they still do feel stress occasionally. They still do encounter some of the same triggers that would be trigger action equals drink to you pass out. 
And so I asked them just, you know, hey, what do you, what do, you do now? Like, you know, I, you, you, I guess you still experience some of the same triggers. Yeah, yeah, I do, I do. Okay. And so what do you do now? What I do now, they said, in that moment is I drive to the NIA meeting. And like, like in that moment, drive past the boozeria and, and pull in to a coffee and donut serving Alcoholics Anonymous me. And they said there's nearly 200 meetings a week in Perth. So there's almost always one available. And so my action, I've made a detour. Instead of going to the grog shop, I go to Alcoholics Anonymous. And I was like, sounds about right. <laughs> yeah? But they was, the, 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 the moments still occur, but they've rerouted the action. And then here's the last one. People. Some of your bad habits may likely be fueled and reinforced by some of the people that you spend time with. Probably you don't need me to drop some wisdom bangers from the Bible to know this is true. But I'm going to drop a couple of wisdom bangers from the Bible anyway. Just so you know, there's some smarter people than me teaching this same stuff. King Solomon, we've already talked about him. And Elon Musk, Paul, we've already talked about him. Well, they both said something very similarly. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Bad company ruins good habits. And they both identify that it is almost impossible to lead and experience a good, God-honoring life with the wrong friends. Because you and I are not meant to be following Jesus by ourselves. I say this all the time. Following Jesus is, is a team sport. It's meant to be done in community. It's meant to be done with other people cheering us on. And by the way, some of the, the habits, and like I was talking with one of our team this morning, and they were saying, you know, the line is fluid. One person might think this habit is bad. The other one would be like, eh, no, I don't know. And that's why I haven't been overly prescriptive, even just in this 20 minutes of saying what you, you know, what your bad habits, like I could have called out a bunch of stuff, but that's not my job to do. But, but I am asking the question and encouraging you to ask the question is, is define it by anything that's getting in the way of you becoming who God's created you to be and is getting in the way of you doing what God's called you to do. I could talk about screen time, which seems reasonably like, yeah, you know, everyone does it. Yeah, I know everyone does it, but are you running to win? Or are you just scrolling your way through 2021? True story. You, you can actually set your apps up to shut down in a, after a predetermined period of time. You can say 10 minutes into the gram, it will actually shut down, but you have to choose to put that detour in your way. Everyone's gonna burn through 24 hours a day just like you. No one else is getting 25 and you say so you can't feel ripped off. We all get 24, we all get seven days a week, we all get 2021. But are you running to win or are there some habits or a habit in your life that may be causing you to be less likely to run to win? That's the big question. And we love you. We, 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 this is why we're preaching this stuff, because we want, we want to see you, every single one of you, me included, becoming who Jesus has created us to be and doing what he's 
called us to do. Um, so one of the things we, we, we're going to do now, uh, uh, oh, here's one I prepared earlier. Uh, on the way in, you would have gotten this. If uh, you grew up in the Catholic Church, you would sort of know what this is, uh, sort of. Um, this is a little bit of juice. Uh, by the way, it's not alcoholic, so there you go. Uh, and there's a little cracker, and I don't know if it's gluten-free. So don't ask, because I don't know. So if that's a problem for you, sorry about that. Uh, I want you to grab this now. Now, some of you, um, this, we're about to do what we call corporate communion. Some of you know, know the, the, what that's all about. It, l- let me kind of catch every one of us up, uh, just the same. Um, Literally, uh, Jesus, when in his final hours before he was hung on a cross, he was actually having a dinner with his closest followers. We call it the Last Supper because it was literally the last time they were having dinner together. And in that, in that moment, they didn't know he was about to be arrested and, and put on a cross. His followers didn't know that, but he knew that. And he had bread, which would have, would have been nothing uh, symbolic at the time. It just, it's bread. You know, that's what they do. They had bread on the table, and they would have had wine also on the table. Just culturally, that would have been custom. But Jesus did kind of a weird thing. It was weird to his followers at the time. He held up the bread, and he said, This is my body, which will be broken for you. And they're like, Huh? Like, that's just weird. And then he held up the goblet of wine, and he said, This is my blood which will be poured out for you for the salvation of many. And again, they would be like, huh? And it all makes sense now after the cross. It all makes sense after the cross because on that cross, Jesus actually poured, had his body broken and he poured out his blood and he did that for us. And he encourages us and we are encouraged to regularly, and yes, this is the first time we've had corporate communion since Good Friday, 2020, we've been trying to figure out a COVID-safe way to do it, and God bless the Catholics, I think we've nailed it. So all these are symbols. There's nothing special, there's nothing reverent, there's nothing, you know, holy, spiritual about what you're holding in your hand. But, but it's an opportunity, it's a trigger. It's a visual, physical trigger for you and I to take the moment to remember what Jesus did. And the reason I wanted to do this today at the end of our Habits series is something that Paul, we, we, we talked about that Paul wrote to the church in Rome, and we talked about it in the first week, where he said, this is one of the heavyweights of the early church, he said, I, I don't do the things I know I should do, and I do do the things that I shouldn't do, and I'm kind of like helpless on my own, and he cries out in this letter, is there anyone that can help me reverse that trend? do the things I'm meant to do and not do the things I'm not meant to do. And he says, yeah, there is, Jesus. Jesus made it possible. You know, if you ever ever hear about somebody who predicted their own death and predicted that they would rise from a grave and then pulled it off, I say, follow them. Like, follow them. And, And when you do, remember what they made possible by that sacrifice. And so any uh, commitments into 2021, I, I want us to just take this moment this morning. Can you unwrap that for me, Maddie? I have no idea how to unwrap that. <laughs> it doesn't come with instructions. What do you expect? 
He's smart. He's a, he's a geologist. Thank you. So just take that cracker at the top if you've figured out how to unwrap it. And this is just symbolic of Jesus making the ultimate sacrifice. And then being put in a grave and then rising from the grave. And so anything that he's called you to do, he's also committed to giving you his strength and his power to make that possible. So let's just eat this together. And then, got this one, Maddie. And then just uh, peel back the next layer. There's the juice there. And this is just, it's just a reminder. Let's drink this together and then I'm going to pray. Jesus, we are so, so, so thankful, so grateful that you went all in, that you came to earth in human form, you abandoned heaven, and that even though your physical body didn't want to be hung on a cross, you submitted, you obeyed the will of your Father, who's now our Father, and you made a way where there wasn't a way. You restored our relationship with God, and you give us and you promise us that we have access to the exact same power that, you, that, that caused you to rise from that grave and that that power lives within us by your Holy Spirit. And so as we individually and corporately commit to continue to follow you more closely in 2021, God, remind us of that power. Remind us of that strength. Remind us of, of the promises that come gift-wrapped with you dying on the cross, shedding your body and your blood. We thank you for a miraculous 2021 in advance. In your name we pray. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love you to join us for one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information about our great Elevate Kids and Elevate Youth environments, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me, and also download our Elevate Church AU app.